0: Podcast one. Today's guest started a business that he grew to 35 staff. It won the highest industry award in the country, and it comfortably put his kids through private school, <laughs> but he hated it. So he sold it and started a business that has him totally on purpose, doing something he loves. It's a very driven episode, four hundred and ninety-four of the award-winning Small Business Big Marketing podcast. Where I say, welcome to a small business marketing show where successful small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Timbo Reed, and welcome back to your weekly dose of marketing reflections. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. You infinitely more importantly, you're a motivated business owner and you are so, so ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it deserves to be. And if that's not enough and you are itching to fast track your marketing, then let's get personal. Just you and me with a one-on-one coaching session, which you can book over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Big episode today. Longtime listener and founder of This Is My Life, that's the business name, Tony Knight joins us to share how he's built a business that has him bouncing out of bed each and every day. And who doesn't want a bit of that? This week's Monster Prize draw winner spent $100 and got $10,000 of business in return. Plus, I'll let you in on next week's guest, who went from the slums of Venezuela to creating a multi-million dollar business selling something insanely boring as per usual team there is marketing g-o-l-d dripping from the ceiling over here at small business big marketing's hq so let's get stuck right in now a few years back tony knight sold his graphic design business which at its peak employed 35 staff from 28 cultures it put a very nice roof over his head and put all his kids through private school. But guess what? In his own words, he hated it. As he neared his 50th birthday, he decided to sell it and pursue an idea he'd had floating around his head for a long time. To start a business called This Is My Life and document the life stories of loved ones in film and print. He now does something he absolutely loves he's never felt so on purpose and he's created a service that is very much in high demand and he's about to explain exactly how he's done it by the way if you've just lost someone close to you then this chat may act as a trigger so please listen at your own discretion i started off by asking tony to reflect back on the time when he was building a business he hated
1: Okay, well, uh, graphic design was just one of the businesses I'd, I'd actually purchased. Um, it was actually a printing company and we had graphic design and I offered photography as well on the side, but mm-hmm. that was the smallest component, the only part I enjoyed. But I actually, uh, if I go back a little bit further, I started at 15 years old. I did an apprenticeship in printing and the only reason I did that was because it was at a, what I thought was a newspaper. Mm -hmm. and I couldn't get a job in photography. I was 15. I looked like I was 10. No one (laughs) would give me a job except I was getting images on the front page of all the local newspapers and stuff, but they wouldn't take me serious when they saw me. Mm -hmm. So I got a job at this printing place that uh, I thought was a newspaper, and a few weeks in, I said, so uh, when do we print the newspaper? And they said, we haven't done one since about 1941, naive and whatever. And I thought, oh, well, it's given me income. I might as well get a trade behind me and I did it i was glad to be out of school finished the apprenticeship and the first job i was offered outside of that that company was to actually run a a printing company and i had a lot of skills that i'd learned over the years at that previous company so i ran this place and he said to me after 12 months if you can make this place break even it's yours it well he said i'll give you 50 percent and i thought my god this is a great opportunity I worked my butt off. I was doing seven days a week. I was doing 100, 110 hours a week. At the end of 12 months, he calls me in and he says, well, we've got some good news. We've got bad news. I said, what's the good news? He said, well, I'll give you the bad news first. He said, we haven't broken even. I was gutted. Mm -hmm. And he said, the good news is, though, we've made a profit, sort of all confused. (laughs) What's going on? He said, well, look... um, I'm happy with everything the way it's going and if you keep this up before you know it you'll be giving you some shares and I said well the the handshake arrangement was 50% and he then just looked at me and said you didn't think I was serious well that was my first lesson in business get everything in writing I left and uh, within a week I left actually he ended up selling all the pieces off because he couldn't get someone else that could do all the things Mm -hmm. and I bought a machine I started running it on the side I I went and worked for other companies and I was doing everything from graphic design to printing to estimating, and because um, I obviously tuned a m- lot more skill set up. And then I um, I had an opportunity, I got a big contract from Cadbury Sweps, and I'd gone from having this little machine, uh, which was, I think it cost me $1,500, and I was doing about thirty-five, forty grand a year out of it, uh, which was mm-hmm. about 90% profit back then to getting a contract that was worth, I think it was about 1.2 million. Um, so I suddenly had the gear up and I don't know, when I look back now, I actually don't even know how I got all the equipment, but somehow I used powers of persuasion to uh, to get mm. machinery without having assets behind me and bricks and mortar. And I dropped about $900,000 worth of equipment on the floor in a space of about a month yeah. geared up and 28 years later, I, you know, I mean, it was a, a really good company. We had a great reputation.
0: Well, it was clearly good to you, but, it, but you know, it, it was something that it, it almost sounds like it happened by default. You didn't plan to build it. And then once you build yeah. it, it was like, this is not actually what I wanted to do with my life. And uh, mm. you ended up hating exactly. it. So yeah. I, I know that you said you, you, you had trouble coming to terms with selling it, but once you put it on the market, it sold in a week.
1: Yeah, that's what shocked me. I actually <laughs> tried to sell it on the quiet overseas and you know they're saying oh the south africans and the indian market and the chinese market they you know they'll pay big dollars for this we were only doing six to eight million dollars a year but we were very profitable in fact when i was turning over four million we made a million dollars of clear profit and you know in that industry that was unheard of so i think we had a, a good company to sell and it ticked a lot of boxes but it wasn't big enough for overseas people so two years has gone around with me having this on the market, so to speak, and then I got shafted, to be honest, by a, a senior rep, and that was uh, the turning point for me. I thought, no, I, I just haven't got enough wind in my sales to do this again. He ripped a couple of million out of the business. And oh, tired. So another hard lesson learned, because uh, we were yeah. literally about to sign contracts, so he.
0: Have, have you learnt some lessons yet? You've been shafted twice. They say things happen in three. What's going on?
1: I tend to trust people. Unfortunately, you know, I still live by the rule. A man's handshake is his contract and it's his it's his yeah. firm bond. But uh, And I still live by that. Anyway, the long and short of it was I said to my wife, I can't do this. My blood pressure was in stroke range. It was like 216 mm. over 150-something. Oh, that's, if he talk to a doctor, they'll tell you I should be in hospital, but um, right. I was feeling like I was on death's door.
0: So Tony, you, you, okay, so you get rid of the business. Yeah. Awesome. You got some dough in the bank. Now it's time yep. to do what you yep. were put on this earth to do, which is what we're here to talk about today. The business is yep. called This Is My Life. Before we get into that, I'm interested, what would your advice be to business owners listening who hate what they're doing, but it's mm. providing a lifestyle, an income, whatever it may be.
1: Yeah, um, for me, the lesson I've learned, and I I tell people this all the time, is don't wait, just do it. As Nike says, just do mm-hmm. it. If you've got a gut feeling, just go with it and. As Steve Jobs said, you can only really count the, I mean, join the dots looking backwards, not forwards. I live by that rule because now I look back, I think I had to learn some lessons. I had to build up a bit of equity. I had to do all these things. And I wish I'd done it years earlier because I would have, in my opinion, been a lot better off. I certainly would have been worth a lot more money and I wouldn't have, I guess, uh, had to do it as hard as I did do it. But in saying that, I threw everything into this new business, like literally everything.
0: What do you say to business owners who are now saying, uh, listening to you and going, "Yeah, but he 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 sold his business. He had some dough in the bank, a bit of runway, mm. as they call it in the startup world, yep. and uh, he had room to fail." What if you did? What if you don't have any dough in the bank?
1: I would say, for starters, that's actually not correct because I did have dough in the bank. But that rep cost me close on $400,000 in yeah, right. legal fees, which was followed up really by cool. someone else shafting me for a quarter million. And that certainly put a strain on it. Look, I, I admit I had properties and all sorts of things I'd accumulated, but you don't want to go and sell off everything. Um, so I, I treated it as a startup with very minimal money. In fact, I built the uh, the actual building I, I purchased through my super fund, but I did the fit out myself personally to save money. I, everywhere I could save a dollar, I treated it like I did when I started my old company hmm. in that I literally did as much as I could to save a dollar. And I'm lucky I'm, I'm fairly skilled in a lot of areas so I can, you know, do carpentry, wiring, and or I shouldn't say wiring, I'll get told off.
0: Okay. So so you've sold this graphic design yep. business. Um, at what? How long after that? Did the idea for This Is My Life, which is your current business, come to fruition? How, how quickly did you get it to market?
1: Actually, the idea was um, really first born after my mum passed away, which is about 18, 19 years ago now. In fact, I think the very first inkling of it was when my dad died, which was in the first year of business, Because, uh, but it was certainly reinforced when my mum passed away. She, I mean, my dad died at 57. My mother died when she was in her mid-60s. And when she, uh, I was the executive of the will, and I ended up with all these resources from her, you know, to try and distribute. And she wasn't a wealthy woman. She was a pensioner. But I'm talking about the old photos. It was literally shoeboxes of image. I would not have a clue who half these people were. In fact, probably 90%. And I thought, you know what, I've got, nothing here what do you do do you throw them out really it would be a great thing to have a great resource that tells me who these people are the dates the times and I can sort of see a bit of my my history but mm-hmm. the one thing that I miss the most and this is where I say it goes back to my dad is I miss the sound of my dad's voice and I've got nothing at all with his voice because mm-hmm. back in those days uh you know there was no iPhones and all this and our movie camera we had was a standard eight film camera which didn't have any microphones so i can still hear him in my head but i would just love to have what i produce now for my clients i'd love to have that and share it with my kids
0: i explain what you were producing what is this what are the out what are the key outputs of if i was a a client yep. of this is my life
1: I'll, I'll give you my elevator pitch as i love learn it. in your podcast So, if I'm in the elevator, I say, imagine tonight going home, sitting on the couch with your family, and instead of watching Gogglebox or something else, that's rubbish. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. But instead of watching uh, just normal TV, you watch an interview of your parents or grandparents. And as they talk about their life's journey, all their old photos, bits of old home movies snip up to, you know, come up to sort of show you visually part of their life. And you get, a really good understanding of them in their own words. That you know, you feel like there's a certainly it's a whole legacy.
0: I'm going to get you to pitch me again because I reckon okay. you were tripping over your own tongue. You and I have just hopped in an elevator. Yeah, I've gone. Geez, mate, you look like an interesting fellow. What do you do? Yeah, okay. He, I, I can hear it. You're going. For the, you're going for the paper. You've, you've got it written yeah. down somewhere. No, I'm.
1: I'm. <laughs> I'm now looking at the paper to say. Uh, What have I got written down? that's good, Uh, mate. I
0: I like, I love the fact that you have gone to the effort. Many don't of um of creating an elevator pitch. Geez, a bit noisy in the background. You're writing as we go, are
1: you? No, no. I've just dumped that paper now. So, my my, do you want my elevator pitch now? I would love it. Okay, so imagine tonight going home. Go home tonight and sit with your family and watching your parents and grandparents on your own TV, telling their story in their own words. And as they talk, all their old photos and snippets of home movies appear to help join the dots. It doesn't stop there, though, when someone, I get a a raised eyebrow and I go, and then to top it off, I said, everything that's in that movie, all the old photos that we've restored and all that, go into an album. And you've got to see this album to really believe it. It's archival. it's, It's designed to last 118 years, technically. Odd figure. But it's got all your old photos and every one of those photos has got a description a date if it's possible we've got the family tree in there and it becomes your family's legacy about your history and the movie is in blu-ray dvd usb ipod versions everything is all loaded there to try and make it future proof yeah and that normally they go what a great idea absolute no-brainer
0: to me and and tone i think one of the the magical parts of this is you are not producing these after the person's passed away you're actually producing them Mm -hmm. while they're alive and getting that that person to provide some kind of commentary do you interview them how does that come about
1: okay so i've got a purpose-built studio here in victoria and we usually film them here because we can control sound and light and all that but there are we do often do it in people's homes, um, especially those that are terminally ill because we've done quite a few of them. So we have a lot of preparation first. We get to know a little bit about the person we're filming or persons, uh, they'll give us all their, their key points that they want to get out. And th- then we also build from that and get all their old photos and anything that's that we can to try and help piece the story together. So before we actually start the interview, we've got a timeline built as to how the interview is going to be conducted. We've got the photos, So I'll bring you in. So if you're my client, Tim, I'd get you in. You might be talking about your life. Yeah, well, no, (laughs) I do want to interview you. I reckon you'd have a fascinating story. But um, we'd have as much information on you as we can. And as you're talking, we're prompting you, but we ask the questions in such a way that if it is an individual, our voice is never heard. And we're never seen so we have a way of uh, creating this story with without the need for a, an interviewer yeah. i call that the jamie
0: oliver school of video production because jamie uh, anytime you see him it looks like he's talking he's always talking to someone just to left left of camera and um it's a really Go good on. video actually for anyone who's wanting to produce video uh, and a bit scared of looking down the barrel of a camera Having someone oh. behind the camera asking questions um, and then editing them out is, is yeah, right?
1: that's that's correct. I actually sit behind the main camera. We use anything up to four cameras when we're filming, just to get the different angles, so we can cut and get the real close-ups for the tear jerks and all the rest of it.
0: That's a beautiful story. We're chatting with uh, this is your life's founder Tony Knight, who now does what he absolutely loves, and uh, that's an awesome story. Do you go to work now, just full of joy and excitement?
1: I, I don't. I don't work anymore. You don't work. It's no, you no, don't have a job anymore. No, it's got a, no. A, a hobby that pays you good money. I always say that the best day at my old business. My sorry, I'll say that again. The worst day here is better than the best day there at my old oh, job. Oh, that's awesome. And, you know, I do work seven days a week because I love it. My wife hates the fact I work so much, but uh, there's, it's exciting. Tony, I
0: imagine you've had a whole lot of moments that have changed your outlook on life. You talked at the start about the fact that, you know, the way we go about our lives these days mm. is probably, you know, not as great thanks to unsocial media, but yeah, maybe recount a couple of moments with clients where you could hear a pin drop. Mm.
1: Well, quite diverse. Like some of them are just interesting. It's not the pin drop sessions, but I find them still fascinating. Like old Ralph, um, I shouldn't say old Ralph. He's 101 at the moment. We've become mates now, as I tend to do with a lot of clients, because when you get to know their story, you really have a a much greater appreciation about the person and what they've been through. Now, Ralph's had a, a fantastic life, he says. He lived through the war, volunteered when the war broke out, Every time I speak to him, he tells me another story he hasn't got in his video, but he would talk about uh you know comparisons like he said uh, his old car when he got his first car and borrowed a few pounds from his parents and he said every weekend you'd be checking the fluids in it you'd be checking the pressures in the air and when the brakes needed doing, you didn't take it to a garage you actually realigned the brakes yourself and you pulled out the mm-hmm. manual and you learned how to do it and it, he then told me how he went down this long hill and car didn't have any brakes and had a smash. But he said now, he said he can't tell me the last time he lifted the bonnet on his car. And he was driving up until just recently. But he said now he goes to a car wash and they, they wash it. He said he goes to the garage and they service it. And he said he wouldn't know what's under the bonnet now. It's just mm-hmm. interesting comparisons. But uh, then there's uh, the funny moments like, another one of our favourite clients, a, a chap called Roger, him and his wife, we filmed and um, she would say, tell him about the pigeons. i know, mean, oh, this would be interesting. And he used to catch these pigeons in the, the bell tower at some local church or something and he'd take them down to the local market here in Victoria and he'd sell them. And then the next week the pigeons would fly home to him <laughs> and he'd sell them again. He said, I used to sell the same people quite often up to four times the same pigeons they were buying. And so they're the sort of the funny moments, but then the the stuff that always puts a lump in my throat. And this has happened, I kid you not, three separate times. We've filmed people who have unfortunately been terminal. One in particular, he had a couple of daughters. They were absolute best friends, but they were squabbling when we were filming. And uh, he actually told me that it was, really cutting him up and he had to keep he was going through chemo at the time so he kept we had to do his sessions in like an hour he'd go and have a rest he'd come out and do another hour so in one of those breaks i got the two girls on the couch i said can you just put your stuff aside and and just literally uh reflect on what you know some of the moments with your your parents and your dad specifically and they were touching each other they were you know like best mates they're just You you wouldn't think there was anything going on between them as in uh, uh, any sort of friction. And it was authentic. It was real and didn't tell any of them that we were putting this in. So it was the last chapter. Uh, So we finished off his movie and I put this as a closer. And I do this with a lot of people when their parents um, or parent has unfortunately got a terminal illness. This chap, I won't mention names obviously for privacy, but... um, He, only a very short time after we finished all this and we've delivered the project and he hadn't actually seen it because of one reason or another. The rest of the family had and he had gone into the hospice, you know, for the final sort of days and he asked if he could see the movie. And they took in a laptop and they gave him headphones and they said for that hour he was smiling, he was crying. I mean, he's seen his whole life coming out in this, I think, is a really magical movie. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, it's got music in there as well, so it's quite emotional. Mm -hmm. But she said, the, the look on my father's face was absolutely priceless. And she said, then that last scene you put in, Tony, we forgot about that. And she said it was incredible because he was just beaming. And then the last thing he sees is, we love you, Dad. Mm. is when they look straight down the barrel of the camera and it fades out and he flatlines. So I get, I get um, <laughs> a bit choked up when I say that because... You've got me choked up. <laughs> this has happened to me, uh, you know, on a few occasions and uh, mm. Mm. you certainly never get sick of hearing it because you said to me, I, I just can't describe how happy you have made my father mm. and his final moments to see us telling him that we love him And the way it was done, with all the emotions, you said, it is just something you cannot put a price on. I do put a price on it, you know, but that's the business side of me coming out. But in all honesty, it is priceless, you know.
0: Tone, let's talk about the business side of This Is Your Life. How
1: did you get your first couple of clients? Well, I have to contribute that to my lovely wife. Um, As soon as I told her she was in full support of the business, you know, and we were talking about marketing and so forth. And I hadn't actually discovered your podcast at this stage because this was, uh, I don't know if you were going seven years ago. I was, mate. I've been, I'm 10 years old. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, I, I i did. Once I got onto yours, I started listening to the back catalogue. I've worked with marketing companies and big agencies mm-hmm. for many, many years with the printing business. So I had picked up quite a bit during that time on mm-hmm. the best way. And, of course, it's all changed now. It's all, you know the way we market now is uh, completely different to how we marketed five years ago, 10 years ago. So my wife just approached a few people that she felt had really interesting stories. And I said, look, I'll do these a little bit less cost to try and get them on board. So I've got some samples to show people that it wasn't, they would have paid the full price. It was never about saving money for those people that did it, but we got the first few that way. And like, she still she bumps into people in the street they there's a bit of signage on the car and they say what's this all about that still continues to bring in clients so never underestimate the value of of actually just having signs on the car uh, especially if you've got a a curious name like this is my life raises people's awareness and they go you know curiosity and they'll, they look on the website we see you know the hits going up and down when i look at the analytics but yeah my lovely wife shelly she um she got the, the first few clients and never, ever lets me forget that.
0: Is it, a, is it, it's very scalable. I want to talk about it other ways you're marketing them because I know using social media and YouTube and referrals. I want to talk about that in a minute. Is it very scalable? Because it feels like Absolutely. once, once you well, do you, have you got a lot of staff out there because I imagine once you've got a, a job going, mm. you're immersed in it, or have you got a whole, mm. you got production crews all over the place?
1: No, what uh, I've done to date, I've handled them all with the crews that I've put together from Victoria. So we, and this is the beauty of this industry is you can use freelancers. You don't need to hire full-time staff. Most of the the best people are actually uh, subcontractors. You know, I've got people who are skilled in all different areas. So depending on the type of story as well, um, I might bring in someone else. So the the biggest story uh, that we ever covered was for a, a group in Perth. And on that one, never underestimate the power of SEO because he said when he started searching, I came up as number one in all the search fields, no matter what he was searching for in terms of family legacy, um, you know, all of the, the terms I'm trying to rank for. Mm. Uh, and he saw one of my clips and he said, that's it. He just rang me and it was a Sunday afternoon and who'd be working on a Sunday except for me? And he just started chatting to me and he telling me that harry has got his own film crew coming in and he's got a, a cousin who's a big time movie director from the States who's putting it all together, but they just wanted someone to edit it. And then after we got chatting and I spoke to his cousin who, who was a, a big time movie editor, uh, director did work with Red Bull and all these big names over in the States. Mm-hmm. He said, look, you're a specialist in this area. I would rather just hand this over to you. So we just took over the whole project and, um, In terms of money, we'll talk about what I charge, but um, that one in particular was way north of $100,000. Wow. Quite a lot more. (laughs) all on the sunday afternoon well yeah I, I just you know so that was my seo money well spent
0: talk, let's talk about that seo you're saying you're ranking well for for all those terms and you know yeah. i'm thinking what terms do you rank well for you mentioned family legacy yeah. what are you what are you actually doing are you paying dare i ask an seo agency somewhere overseas or are you just creating great content mm, but,
1: no i did at the start i because i wasn't sure what to do at the start and uh, and i'll attribute a lot of this to your podcast because it gives you the courage to take a lot of these things on yourself when you actually break things down and and put things in boxes and go, okay, I can tackle this Mm -hmm. component. I had SEO experts, so to speak, and I Mm -hmm. use that very loosely because 99% of them aren't. Jason McDonald, one of the claimed original founders of the web, I did his um, course online sort of thing, uh, you know, and he just go through the basics of what you should do. A lot of those things worked. I took it. I took my SEO away from uh, my expert. I was paying him originally, oh God, at the start, it was like six grand a month. Oh, darn. For the first 90 days. So there was 18 grand written off. That included the building of the site. Uh, and then it dropped down to a maintenance fee of like 1,200. And I did that for nearly two years. But he kept giving me excuses saying, the problem is trying to get you to rank is you don't exist. I said, what do you mean? He said, there's no businesses we can compare you to because I had no competition. There was not one company in Australia doing what I did. There's people who will do a movie. I would have thought that would be a reason to
0: rank easily.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what I figured out in the end as well. There was a few people doing bits.
0: So what are you doing? What are you doing now?
1: Well, I've done all the SEO myself. So, what I did was, um, I looked at overseas as well. There was a guy in America that was doing the movies, but they weren't doing the albums. So, hmm. I actually contacted him rather than just try and, you know, steal everything from him like most people do. I just contacted him. He told me what he was doing. And then I basically copied and pasted all his keywords into my website. I do simple things like make sure that. I'm on all the other social platforms because they all point back. Of course, I was at. The, I haven't done it for a while. I'm slapped myself on the wrist, but uh, I was keeping the content moving all the time. Video always uh, connects better, obviously, than uh, anything static, and especially words. Videos were getting a little bit of traction just doing snippets. So it was just a combination of you know probably ten or twelve different bits and pieces. I was even running the free ads on called Gumtree. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I never wanted to sell anything through Gumtree, mm. but it's another search engine that can point back to you. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I mean, all those, all those directories, whether it be Yellow Pages or Gumtree yeah, or any exactly. directory,
1: yeah, you know, Yelp, any directory that gives you a free listing, take it. Well, Gumtree... Gumtree is now owned by eBay, and eBay is a huge yep. search engine.
0: Well, there's authority attached to those sites, so anything pointing mm. back from those sites to your website has got to be a good thing. So, Tone, um, you, you have – so you are scal- – it is scalable. As you say, you've got freelancers. You, you, it's not just you. You can actually build something rather large out of this if you choose to.
1: I believe so. What's the yep.
0: best marketing that you have done to generate new clients?
1: Well, I can tell you – one of the worst first, and then I'll tell you the best. Okay. The worst is Shelley and I basically went on the road and we were telling the story to all of the, um, uh, like, probus groups, uh, oh, yeah. any sort of senior groups, because we just thought there our people were filming. So we go out with a uh, keynote presentation and I suddenly had to learn how to speak in public and that was one of my greatest fears. When I get started, because I'm so passionate about it, it just flowed. Mm-hmm. And everyone was, oh, this is fantastic and, yeah, we love this, but never amounted to bums on seats. We get, oh God, I reckon at one stage we did some analytics and we must have spoken to, I think it was a period of a couple of months, we'd, we know we'd spoken to nearly 10,000 different people and we got two clients out of it
0: can i can i have a guess as to why that was the case is it because yeah. the the actual star of your show of the film yeah. is not is not your
1: client it's their family members that's why you're the marketing expert now why didn't i talk to you at the start i don't know i don't know you are now a, <laughs> i i'd like to think of myself as a reasonably intelligent sort of guy <laughs> and you wouldn't think i was that dumb but uh, i was right. because okay. we just figured our client that we're filming is the one who would pay for it. And that is the case for quite a few of them, but the majority of them is paid for by their siblings or at least started that way. One of the best things I did, so the opposite of that is I got a PR guy. I paid the bucks, engaged him for a few months. He got me onto like 3AW radio down here in Melbourne, which is the biggest talkback radio in Victoria. And they got me a, a gig on a Saturday talking to uh, Grubby and Dee Dee. They have a, a, a great talkback show and I just went on and I was allocated, I think they said 12 minutes or something. Uh, and that included a couple of ad breaks. Well, we went on for half an hour and I look at the clock thinking they're gonna throw me out, but I go, no, this is fantastic. And the calls were coming in and all this sort of stuff. I, the phone started ringing after that. So he didn't get me many of those gigs, but that certainly was, Uh, produce more clients from a single um, Mm -hmm. exercise than anything else. One lady rings me and she says, I've just heard you on the radio. She only picked up half of it, but she said, um, looking for something to give to my dad who's got absolutely everything. Uh, He's into genealogy. Do you do vouchers? Sure do. Hadn't done one before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But obviously know a bit about graphic design and printing. So... I said, oh, look, I'm just on the way back to the studio now. Can I give you a call back? And she said, yep. I rang her back. And I went through the, all the different packages we have and she gave me a credit card over the phone uh, because I think being on radio gave me that bit of credibility and social proof, you know, because, um, you know, they're obviously a great show and it's a great radio show, that station. Um, so she felt comfortable handing over the, the card and I actually said, look, I'd like to obviously meet with your your dad. Well, he's gone on to be one of the great ambassadors. He actually said he felt so indebted to us for what we produced for him. Mm. He now tells everyone about it and oh. he's an official ambassador. But he not only did the story of his life with his first wife who unfortunately passed away with cancer, but he also then went on to do a second chapter with his Wife that he's had for the last eighteen years, and it's it's almost a travel documentary because he's been everywhere. Yeah, right. uh, but he ordered albums for the grandkids, albums for his kids. Tone, you know that
0: um, the thread the 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 PR strategy genius, mm. absolutely. Yeah. You know, getting you on three AW on the Grubby and DD show on a Saturday afternoon. I know that show. I know those guys are yep. genius. Um, it, clearly, it worked for you. Um, the fact that they extended the 12 minutes to half an hour speaks volumes about the fact that you have mm. a product or a, or a story that is ideal for their audience. It's easy to talk about. Yep. Did you, and I, I, I very, I'm always hesitant about suggesting advertising, above the line advertising as we call it, radio, TV, mm-hmm. newspapers, that kind of stuff. Did you consider uh, maybe buying an advertising schedule on
1: 3AW? I certainly did, and I'll be blunt, at the time, and again, this is probably a mistake, I was just so busy with work mm. I'd got from that, I just thought, you know, let's ride this way, but that's the best time to market. Absolutely. Of course, when you are busy. you at the problem. Yeah, and so later down the track, we looked at 3W and we also looked at another uh, radio station called Light FM, and big difference in price but huge difference big. in the returns. Mm. Um And I thought, you know, the old test and measure, let's get it right first. So I thought I'd start with Light FM. They still had a a fairly big audience and they also went on, I think on the Channel 9 user saying and they um, did it every night. Uh, They would cross to, I think it was Channel 9. Anyway, long and short of it was. Yeah, it it is. Did all that sort of stuff. Um, Waste of time. Absolute. Sorry, Mm -hmm. no disrespect to Light FM. Really good bunch of people but never got a single client.
0: What I think you've done there, it, you know, incorrectly, you should have called me, mate, but I, you know, yeah. I think you've gone and had a great experience on 3AW and then you've extrapolated that experience to say, mm. oh, well, radio, radio generally as a medium is going to work for my business. Clearly not. I mean, Light FM, um, yeah, they have connections with Channel 9, be infinitely cheaper, but yeah. it's one of those things where you get what you pay for. Yeah, it might be, I mean, yeah, I think it's worth considering. I'd go back to an old episode I did with a fellow,
1: Dan Presser. Oh, yeah, I remember Dan Presser. Yeah, listen to him and he writes yeah. his own ads and has grandma and all that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think what was really interesting about Dan and for listeners who haven't listened to that episode, this is a fellow who sells um, a prune, Sunraiser prune juice. Can you believe it? Mm. He he sells it on 3AW with what I would call, and we, we both agreed at the time, both Dan and I, these are cringe-worthy ads. Absolutely. They? <laughs> they work their pants off. They're incredibly mm. memorable. He appears in them. And I just think it's a really interesting creative strategy. And again, depending on how far you want to take the uh, this is your life business, that would be a a pretty interesting strategy. Not a cheap Mm. one. And the problem, I'm always hesitant around radio advertising and those things is because, you know, the ad runs and then you've got to find another amount of dough to run more ads. But if you can crack the code of spending a dollar and getting two back, then you're going to keep finding dollars, right? Yeah.
1: Well, in hindsight, I think the code for me would have been off the back of that interview would be to have started running ads with aw at that time because i had the credibility of being interviewed and then followed up with ads going back six months later oh probably two three years ago now
0: yeah it's a it's a pretty loyal audience they may may or may yeah. not remember
1: you. oh look you know they might have me back on i've, I've kept in touch with them and um, and i certainly know that um, there was a lot of people we're ringing and the phone rang off the uh, hook that day with people trying to ring in. Tony, one of the things I love
0: uh, what you're doing with the business is you have now extended it beyond um, life stories for individuals and you're now yep. capturing their business stories as well, which is uh, just pure genius because what you sell is now tax deductible <laughs> and I <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> Who doesn't like that? <laughs> love a tax deduction. Um, so is this for any any of your clients that have run their own businesses or is this anyone where you just cover their, their business story as well?
1: Well, it it sort of came about through that story in Perth because they ended up being all about the business when it was meant to be all about the family, but their, their business was their life. You know, the whole family were involved. And again, I don't mention names or the industry, but mm-hmm. these people were seriously wealthy and had an amazing story you know the immigrant coming to australia and all this and the idea was born from that because i thought you know if i just did a highlights clip this would be great for their website and even though they had just sold the business they were still using the company they who bought it still wanted to attribute the heritage so gave my highlights clip and i thought well we should be doing this for a lot of the clients we talk to because most of the people i'm talking to have at some stage had, you know, their own businesses. And so I started to approach a few people that were in business and I would tell them about it. In fact, I picked up a few stories, uh, a few um, jobs just because they said, uh, yeah, I would love to do it. But, um, and one of them said, but my mum's uh, unfortunately she's got an illness and I'd love to get her story down first. So can we do that? And then we'll talk about doing the business one. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a family business. So, we've the mum talked about uh, their business that they're currently running. So, again, we were able to take some highlights for that for them to use on their website. And that ended up all going through the business end because they were getting the, uh, the benefit of it, of course. Uh, and so, we've done that now with quite a few people where we tell their story. And because, you know, at the end of the day, if you've got a, a great business, and you might be approaching retirement or you may not be. But by shooting your life story mm. and we can extract out the, I guess, uh, the story behind the, the business uh, because we've all got normally a, a great story to tell and the sacrifices you make. and Because uh, a lot of people see people driving around in a flash car and go, aren't they lucky and all that? But they forget. Mm. Like when I started my old business, I used to make a can of baked beans last three days with a loaf of bread because I had to pay staff but I couldn't pay myself and <laughs> I I used to remember I mean, on day two if I went past the you know as I was hungry, I hungry I oh god if I can't eat too much I won't have enough for tomorrow's yeah. dinner yeah, uh, yeah. and seriously that's how desperate I got at the very beginning so and that's what I was saying about when I started this business I, I treat it that way but the whole point to all this is to that most people who have successful businesses have had to hustle, have had to graft, they've had to do all sorts of things to get it rolling. But the best marketing strategy for a lot of businesses now is to communicate with their clients and be real and be personable. And so if you're, we would rather deal with a company sold companies, no one really wants to buy from mm. like, you know, your car dealers, if you'd be more likely to buy from the local car dealer if you know he's, you know, a local resident and he's this and he's that and he's he's got a, a profile as opposed to a big chain that has mm-hmm. no soul and it's just, you know, a widget factory, so to speak. So video communicates really well. If you're looking at a website, you're looking for some sort of validation, which we all do now if we're looking for anything, we go to Google, you hit the website and if you can see the owner of the company uh, talking about the struggles and, and the highs, and and they're proud yeah. of the company. You feel good about it, so you want to buy off them. And I think that's a terrific sort of thing for the for the client, but it also is giving back to their family because they end up getting the whole story as well. We're chatting
0: with Tony Knight, who is the founder of This Is My Life. Tony, pricing. How, how do you go about pricing? Okay, what you the, do?
1: Yeah, well, the we have. We used to have four different packages, which basically comes down to two now as um, the basic offering, and that is the movie only. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually runs for about an hour. Uh, we have hundreds of photos that we restore and all that, and that starts at around six grand, including GST. Uh, the and that if you uh, think about it too, it's I mean it's a very professional setup. We've, we've as you know the cinema, and I'd encourage everyone mm-hmm. to have a walkthrough. Tour on our website and see what we've set up with a private cinema and so forth.
0: Pretty impressive.
1: Thank you. Um, and then it goes through to the 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 biggest package we have, which is what everyone seems to go for. Uh, that's now twelve grand including GST, and that is all the filming as per the other movie. But it's a full album. With all the photos printed in there, in this beautiful uh, case with all the Blu-ray, DVD, and USBs, and mm. so on and so on. So between six to twelve is where we sort of sit. We did have a a, a much cheaper package to get people in at the start, but um, we just couldn't tell their story in the in that time frame. So I've, I'm just honest with people now, and I tell them I don't do it anymore because we have to do justice to your story, and. The stats are that over 80% of the people we film have all gone for the bigger package, but started with the smallest one. Nice. Because once they're invested, they're, they're right in. They see the value.
0: Tony, it's an absolute uh, pleasure to speak to someone who absolutely loves what they do. Uh, I think what you do is, is incredibly interesting. Um, thanks for tuning into my show uh, for so long. And for anyone listening, and there's plenty of business owners out there listening, go to this is my life dot com dot au and uh, and get do-
1: tony to uh document your life dare i say before it's too late tony love your work thanks mate well thank you tim and thank you for the podcast in all seriousness
0: well there you go this is your life's tony knight i do love interviewing long-time listeners at sort of makes my heart sing knowing that he's sort of been listening all those years and now he gets to be a guest on the show. I love that. Coming up, this week's Monster Prize Draw winner explains how a $100 outlay returned him $10,000 of business. It's not a bad ROI. But right now, here's what grabbed my attention from chatting with Tony. Attention grabber number one. I think there's a great lesson in what Tony shared about knowing when it's time to get out of what you're doing if you don't like it and chase down something that will set your heart on fire. So if you've got a business that's not setting your heart on fire, maybe it's time to kind of hand the keys over and chase down something that will. Attention grabber number two. I love how Tony sought some PR on radio station 3AW down in Melbourne. A perfect demographic for what he has to offer. And I do think he should consider taking up some advertising on that station. If you want to hear of a business owner that did that. And this is not this is not an ad for 3RW, by the way, but have a listen to the episode. I'll put a link in the show notes. My chat with Dan Presser from Sunraysia Prune Juice, he talks about how he's created these cringeworthy ads that he ran on uh, Talkback Radio and built two, not one, but two multi-million dollar FMCG brands. Attention grabber number three... I love how Tony actively sought out some training on search engine optimization. It shows his respect for marketing. Although I've got to say, if you can afford to pay someone else to do that, I'd prefer you to actually do that and spend more time uh, in other aspects of your business. Um, I'm going to actually have an episode uh, coming up in the coming weeks about outsourcing, about um, you know getting a virtual assistant and other people from other parts of the world to work with you on your business. That is to come. That's what grabbed my attention. Whatever grabbed yours, be sure to block out some time and implement it. Come on. Back. It's Timbo's Monster Prize Draw. Oh, yes, indeedly, doodly. It's time to reward another motivated business owner and listener for taking some serious marketing action. And today's winner is... Nicholas Payton of Plateau Electrical. And this is what Nicholas has to say. He says, hey, Timbo. G'day, Nick. Absolutely love your show. I run Plateau Electrical, a small electrical contracting business in Sydney. Your podcast has been such a source of ideas and inspiration, so thank you. We've been putting lots of bits and pieces from the show into practice, but one of the key takeaways was your interview with Josh Nichols of Platinum electricians. huh? Very similar names there, uh, young Nicholas. He talked about creating a customer experience that people would talk about over dinner to their friends. He mentioned he achieved things uh, this with things like movie vouchers. Yeah, he did. That was a, it was a pretty popular episode. As I keep mentioning, Josh had created a 21-step customer manifesto. Nicholas says, at the time of listening to the podcast, I was working for this lovely lady who had been referred to us by a friend from a tennis club. Both clients were heavily involved in the social community circles, and on completion of the job, I sent each of them a double pass for gold movie tickets. From that small outlay, 100 bucks, they went on to refer us another $10,000 in business among their friends, all of who came to us raving about our business before we'd even work for them. Cheers for doing what you do. You're a legend, Timbo. Cheers, Nicholas Payton from plateauelectrical.com.au. Nicholas, well done for you, brother, for implementing those ideas. As a result, you win. A $75 flora and fauna voucher, $50 dollars send voucher, a Lumberpunks $100 voucher. You can go and throw some axes indoors. Boxing gloves from Fitness Enhancement, Liar's range of non-alcoholic spirits worth over $500, an eight-pack of Mr. Lee's Noodles, access to Jeff Anderson's video marketing course, a $100 voucher to go and buy some tradies undies. You get promotion on this show and a backlink in the show notes. That's a lot, right? Just for emailing me. That's over a thousand bucks worth of prizes. Everyone else, if you've implemented an idea from listening to this show, just email me, Tim at A-U, and let me know what you've done. If I read it out on air, you win. <laughs> Alrighty, before we wrap things up, just a reminder that you'll find plenty more episodes on the Podcast One Australia app, plus my entire archive full of ideas to grow that beautiful business of yours is over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. If you're getting value from listening, don't keep the podcast a secret. Be sure to let other business owners know about it. They'll thank you, and so will I. Next week, we catch up with Marks Acosta-Rubio. Now, he's a fellow who grew up in the slums of Venezuela, but has gone on to become a Decker millionaire, selling ink cartridges over the phone. Amazing. And boy, oh boy, does he share his business and marketing insights so generously. This podcast was presented by me, Timbo Reed, produced by Matt Dwyer. Until next week, thanks for tuning in. Now get out there and take action.